I want to read to you, if you just remain standing, from Matthew chapter 14. And this is kind of the heart of the story that I share in the book. And so I thought at least one week of this series, I ought to give it to you. And it comes right after Jesus does an incredible miracle where he multiplies loaves and fish and feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. And they're still in that moment, that setting, when it says this in Matthew 14, verse 22. Just listen. I know you want to get your Bible out, and I know you want to take notes, and I know, I know you're all like that. But sometimes you can just come with a, a fresh spirit to listening to God's word that maybe he'll speak something to you in a story you've heard a million times. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. I don't know if you felt like the wind's been against you, but maybe you'll identify with this story. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they, cried, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Those, says, then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. There's so much to unpack in this, and, and we don't have time for that today. So I, I just want to turn our attention to the thing that distracted Peter the most, and that was the wind and the waves. And I know that sometimes life feels like we've got wind and waves splashing us in the face. Sometimes we feel like it's coming against us. And I just believe that God maybe wants to speak to you if you're in that place specifically today. Would you just bow your heads and join with me in prayer? I want to ask the Spirit of God to speak. I know I've got the microphone, but the only thing that brings real change is when the Spirit of God speaks to you. So, Father, I'm asking you now to freely give us your spirit today. That God, we're not here just going through the motions, but that, God, we need a word from you. God, we want to know your voice. We want to hear you today. So I'm praying, God, that you would take this moment, you would multiply it by your power, that you would do something so amazing in us today that we will never be the same. God, we come to you with an expectation of faith today. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said together, could you give him praise one more time? Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. In preparation for this story about the wind and the waves, I thought I should do a little bit of homework. And so I went to a beach this week just so I could experience. I didn't. I didn't want to come up and just preach this to you without experiencing the wind and the waves myself. And so I did that this week, you should know. I got a new perspective on it, though. You know, I, I found it kind of interesting that Matthew tells us in the way he tells it. 
He says they're in the middle of this supernatural moment where everybody just finished eating. And the conference isn't over, the outdoor experience. Jesus hasn't released everybody. They're, the last thing they were gonna do, I guess, was eat. And it says that immediately, Jesus made them get into the boat to go across that. I'll release everybody, but I need you guys. I mean, I don't know why Jesus thought he would do crowd control on his own, but he said, I need you guys to go across to the other side of the lake. And he made them get into a boat. Now, these are the kind of questions that I have. I don't know if you have questions when you read the Bible, but I get questions all the time. And I started to think about the intersection between the divinity and the humanity of Jesus in this moment. Here's what I mean. Uh, Jesus is fully human. He is uh, human and deals with the limitations that we humans dealt with. In other words, he could only be in one place at one time. He, he got tired and he had to sleep. He had to eat. He had limitations. His body could only go so much. He ended up giving up his life and spirit on the cross. That there, there was limitations to him in his humanity. But then we also get glimpses of his divinity through his journey as well, right? I mean, we get picture where Jesus is in a moment and he knows what people are thinking. Sometimes you think you can do that, but I mean, Jesus knew, knew what people were thinking in a moment and he would speak to it. There are moments when Jesus can predict the future. This is not just a human thing, this is a divine thing. Jesus told his disciples multiple times before he was arrested, he said, guys, I need you to know in advance when we go to Jerusalem, they're gonna arrest me. They're going to put me on a cross. I'm gonna die, but on the third day, I'm gonna come back. Jesus knew these things because of his divinity. So I look at moments like this where Jesus makes the disciples go ahead of him, get into a boat. The sun is about to set. Hurry up, guys, you gotta get across the lake. And he makes them get into a boat without him. And then a storm comes. So I'm left to think, okay, did Jesus forget to check the weather app? Or did Jesus know a storm was coming? See, I, I wonder if Jesus knew. Part of me wonders if Jesus knew that a storm was coming. Because why, why even before he released them did he make them get, immediately, this is Matthew's account. Matthew says, they, and by the way, Matthew would know he was the one who had to get into the boat. Jesus made them get into a boat. Now you need to, to know that this wasn't the only time that the disciples were in a boat and faced a storm. But when I look at this and I think about that other one, I can't help, and this is just my mind and where I go and sometimes we, we don't know for sure, but I wonder if Jesus knew a storm was coming and that's why he made them get into a boat. I wondered is possibly this a test? I kind of feel like is this one of those those uh, teacher-student moments where he was like, I need you guys to get in the boat. Go to the other side. How is Jesus going to catch up with them? Like, how was he going to get over there? See, I wonder if Jesus knew what he was going to do. I, that's just me. I don't know. But part of me wonders that because this wasn't the, the only time they'd caught in a storm. In fact, a few chapters earlier, Matthew tells us, about another time, it was just, in fact, one of the previous times that they were in a boat together and they dealt with a storm. I don't know if you knew that one, but, but let me read to you just a few verses from it because I wondered about this and I really think that there's, there's something God wants us to see today. 
In Matthew chapter 8, it says this, then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake, this is different, with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake and waves, the waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went to wake him up and they shouted, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus responded, why are you so afraid? You have so little faith. That's the exact same thing that happened in the next one, okay? Then he got up, he rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. It says the disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked, even the wind and waves obey him. See, this wasn't the first time they were caught in a storm. The previous time they went out with Jesus, they were caught in a storm. That time he was in the boat. How many of you would rather have Jesus in the boat than not be in the boat with me when I go through a storm? He was in the boat, but he was sleeping, so they woke him up. Because why? Jesus is not bothered by any storms, okay, because of who he is. He, he's not bothered by it. But they wake him up. He speaks to it. He calms the wind and the waves, and they're all shaking their heads and scratching their They're going, who is this? And now fast forward a little bit later. And Jesus makes them get into a boat to cross the lake without him. I thought to myself, I wonder why he did that. Why would he make them get into the boat to go? Now, it could be, and sometimes I read this and think Jesus might have been a massive introvert and he was just full of people. You ever get to the point, any introverts, you're like, I'm done with people. Like, I've been around people all day. I got to get me some alone time. And so he's like, I'm going to go spend some time with my father. I'm going up on a mountain. I'm going to make you guys. I'm tired of you. I'm going to send you guys on his own. But I happen to wonder if maybe Jesus did it because he was going to test them. See, I was with you last time, and I saved you and calmed the wind and the waves, and I said, how come you don't have the faith to believe? Remember that time, got you? So then he sends them out again, and he sends them right into a storm. He made them. That's what Matthew said. He made them get into Do you know what I, I, I've discovered is that sometimes following Jesus' instructions will lead you right into a storm. I don't know if you ever would think of it that way, but sometimes you can do everything right and still deal with some of the worst tragedy you would ever imagine. I, I, I think it's important to understand that because there's some of us that think that my life was difficult and then I met Jesus and then I thought he would rescue and save me so that I wouldn't have any more pain or deal with it ever again. But I don't know who told you that. That's not true. Because sometimes just in following Jesus, you might actually get sent right into a storm. Now, why would Jesus send them into a storm? If Jesus is all-knowing, if Jesus in that moment, I know he's human, but he's also divine. If Jesus knew a storm was coming, is it possible that Jesus sent them into a storm because they needed to go through it on their own? Because he was testing them. See, I actually think God will test us. I don't just think that on my own. Scripture tells us that God will test us. Do you know that it says in the Old Testament that God led the Israelites through the wilderness all these years to test them? See, I, I think a lot of times we don't like the idea that we could get tested, but can I tell you this? Your faith won't grow without resistance. Do you know that? Your faith won't grow without resistance. Some of us were like, I, I just, I, I, I want to grow spiritually, and I want, can I just tell you, your faith will not grow without resistance. See, this isn't just a, a spiritual principle, it's a physical one too. Do I got anybody here who likes to go to the gym, you like to work out, any gym rats in the house, yeah? It, it's weird, gym people, uh, 
us gym people. We, we like the pain. You ask a gym person, they love the feeling of the pain from working out. Now there's a difference between a sore pain and a hurting yourself pain, and if you work out long enough, you'll know the difference, but, but they like it. You know why? Because when they feel pain, they think gain. Gains, baby, I'm gonna get gains. And so, here, listen, God designed you so that you grow, your muscles grow when you put them under weight, when you put them under resistance. You actually have to go through some pain so that you can grow your muscles. Why would it be any different with your faith? See, some of us, we go, ah, I, I just wanna have a strong faith. You ever look at somebody that's got a strong faith, go, I wish I had a faith like that person. Can I tell you, the only way they got a faith that was strong like that was they went through some resistance, where they felt some pain, where they walked through some tragedy, and they got to the other side and still had their faith. You, you see, there's something about the testing of our faith that produces something. I didn't say that either, but James did, the half-brother of Jesus. There's a passage maybe you're familiar with. Let me, let me say this one. Maybe you've heard this one. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said it this way, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your what? Say it out loud. The testing of your, the testing of your faith produces something. It's not wasted, it's God's work in it. The testing of your faith produces perseverance, and he says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Could it be possibly that Jesus would send them and would send us in a direction that would test our faith so that it can actually produce something inside of us? See, I found that most of us, we would love to have a strong faith, but you can't get a strong faith without working it out. And some of you, I just, I wanna say, maybe this will speak a perspective into your place right now. Some of you are in a storm right now. Some of you have gotten some of the worst news. Some of you feel beat down in life. Some of you feel like you've been rowing for hours. You're exhausted, you're tired, and you're worn out. And what I have found in my life is that Oftentimes, and this is the part that doesn't make sense sometimes to me, is that when I go into a storm, somehow it is supposed to produce a stronger faith, but I don't know if you ever feel like this, because I do, but a lot of times, it just feels like my faith starts drowning. You know, you start saying, where are you, God? I've prayed for this over and over and nothing's happened. See, a lot of times when you're in a storm or a struggle of life, it feels more like you're drowning than being developed. That's what it feels like in the middle of it. My oldest daughter, Lauren, uh, had been battling with a physical storm for the last eight months. She, all of a sudden, in September of last year, developed these awful hives. I don't know if you ever had hives that just cover your whole body, but she got sick one day and then she had this reaction and her body swelled up and her hands, her legs, her neck, her face, her everything covered with these painful hives. 
I mean, I mean she, it literally looked like she had a skin disease. And they were so painful and, and so awful that she couldn't sleep. Her hands would, would burn from the hives so badly that she would only find relief from sticking them in a bucket of ice water and would leave them in there for an hour at a time. And this all of a sudden came. It's, it's kind of like you're sailing along and then all of a sudden one day you just wake up and you have this awful thing. And she said, for the last eight months, there has not been a day that she has gone without hives. And all these different things were triggering them. We were trying to figure it out and, and, and go, go see this doctor and the doctor said, go see an allergist and go see this and seeing all these doctors and nobody could figure it out. And she'd go to work and she'd break out in hives. She would go out in the sun, she'd break out in hives. She would get a cold, she would break out in hives. And, and she was constantly in pain and, and her hands one point, I mean, she went to the ER urgent care, I think five or six times over the last eight months because it was so bad, the reaction that, that we were afraid she couldn't breathe, what was going on, like we didn't know. Her hands got so bad they had to cut her rings off. Her hands are swollen up so badly. She had gone through this, and again, I don't know if you've been in something for not just days or weeks, but months. And she was so depressed. She was full of anxiety. Every time she had to work, she was afraid she was gonna break out in worse hives than all of this. She went on some medications. She started taking some depression medication, anxiety medication. She couldn't sleep. She was miserable. Still had no answer, no answer. A couple weeks ago, um, my, my parents came into town and my parents had known she'd been dealing with this and praying for her. And, and on Sunday night, we were here at the church, everybody was gone. And she said, my parents said, can we pray for her? I want, I want to pray for, can we pray for Lauren? And so family and, and some others gathered around Lauren and we prayed for her. And afterwards, what, what she told me was super, it was just inspiring. She said, I didn't want to pray. You, you know, when you're in the middle of a storm and your faith gets so low, have you ever gotten to a point where you stop talking to God? I just give up praying. She said her faith was all but dead, dead. She said, I haven't felt the presence of God in forever. And the moment we started praying for her, she said she felt the presence of God like she hadn't felt in so long. And she said, in that moment, God did a miracle and revived her faith. She said, I had a faith revival that moment. We didn't even know, we just prayed for her. Something came alive inside of her. And ever since that moment, she hasn't had a single hive break out in her body. Like, it wasn't a medication, it wasn't a doctor, it was, and you know what she said? She said, like literally the next day she tested it. It was, we're like, I don't know if God healed her body or if he healed her faith. But when her faith was resurrected, she started to walk in it and believe that God had healed her. The very next day, she said, I went out, it was sunny, and I sat in the sun, and I prayed, God, keep the hives away. And not one hive came on me when the sun came on me. She said, I walked in it. And she, you know what she said, though? She said, I don't know if I'll get hives again. I might. I might. I'm believing God that I won't, but I might. But you know what she said? She said, I'm glad it happened. 
How do you go through suffering for almost a year and look back and go, I'm glad it happened? Who says something like that? I'm glad I dealt with it. You know why she's glad it happened? Because she said her faith was all but dead. But if God could take the hives and use all of that to bring a revival in her faith, she said, I'm glad I had to go through that because my faith is stronger than has ever been. You see, sometimes the testing of your faith produces something. Sometimes it produces something in your life. And I have found that a lot of times we want to believe in a God who does miracles, but we don't expect him to do those miracles in our life. We don't expect God to move in that way. I've heard people ask, why does it seem like God used to do miracles, but he doesn't do miracles now? No, God does miracles. I just told you about one God did in my daughter. God's still doing miracles. The problem is, is that most of us aren't willing to step into a storm to experience the miracle. See, I want to know that God does miracles. You really want to know? Because God only does miracles when you need one. God does miracles financially when you're financially desperate. God only opens the eyes of the blind. God heals the afflicted. God does miracles for those who are in the position where they need a miracle. And here's what I'm saying is that many of us, we're not taking a step to follow Jesus because we'd rather lived in the safety of our lives that we can control. And then we wonder why it is that God doesn't do miracles. God does miracles, but you got to step out in faith to receive it. And God might use a storm in your life. He might, even, he might even send you in the direction of a storm so that he could test your faith. But here's what you need to know. Because a lot of times it's in that place that we feel like God isn't watching. But Jesus, he had his eyes on them. See, Jesus went up on the mountain and he was praying with his father. But you know what I think he was doing? I think he had one eye on heaven and the other eye on them. He got up to an elevated perch where he could watch them. See, this is why when I look at all the details, I think, I wonder if he knew. I wonder if he sent them. I was with you the last time, and you freaked out, and then I did a miracle, and I said, why, where's your faith? So now I'm going to test you. You just saw me do a miracle. I fed 5,000 men plus the women and children with five loaves and two fish. You can know I can break physics. I can do all that. Now I'm going to send you off into the lake. Let's see what you do. And he's watching them. And then Matthew tells us what happens as they're in the middle of this lake and they've been rowing for hours and they're getting nowhere. It said this, that Jesus came to them walking on the lake. Now, I think sometimes we, we don't really capture the essence of the moment back then. And if you go back to them being in a wooden boat in the middle of this lake with waves crashing over the side of it, it's not like they had like big floodlights on their boat where they could see the figure coming toward them. See, here's what I, I picture. They're in pitch dark. In fact, we, we know that they're in the middle of the night. It's like three o'clock in the morning. It's pitch dark. And so I imagine every time lightning streaked across the sky, they, looking at the horizon, they would see this silhouette of a 
flowy figure moving toward them. And the soundtrack, dun dun, dun dun, dun. This is how I picture it, dun dun, dun. But it wasn't in the water, it was on the water, dun dun, dun dun, dun. And they just see this little figure. And now they're freaked out because a ghost is coming at them. This brought me right back to my days growing up watching Scooby-Doo. When you don't know because no one's ripped off the the sheet, you don't know who it is. And and so this ghost comes to them, and now they're more afraid of the ghost than they are the, the storm that they're in. And it's right in this moment when they hear a voice echo off the waves. Take courage. It is I. How many of you would have liked a little bit more information than it is I? Like my first question would have been, who's I? Like that's, that's what you're gonna say? They're freaking out, it's a ghost. Hey, don't freak out, it's just me. Who's me? Jesus, why don't you give them a little bit? Ma- Listen, Matthew tells us that's all he gave them. We see that because of Peter's response in a moment, but, but why is it that Jesus isn't really clear? Hey guys, it's me, Jesus. I know this is freaking you out, but I, I, it's me, trust me. I'm just coming to you on the way, so I'm, I'm coming to you, rescue. No, he just says, it is I. Why so vague? See, sometimes you have to ask these questions when you read the Bible. Why so vague? Why not just tell them who you are? It is I. Why? You know, I was, I was thinking about my own experience with God. And you know what I've, I've found to be true? That for me, the voice of God is often vague. Has it ever felt like that to you? That, that when God speaks to me, can I just be honest with you? It feels really, it's so vague that a lot of times I'm not even sure if it's him. You ever felt like that? Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how God speaks to you. I hope he does. Maybe some of you are here and you're not sure that you believe in God, but there have been moments where you feel like the universe is speaking to you. There have been moments when you've just felt something. There's been moments when you're like not sure if, if what is that. I, I've felt so many times when God has spoken to me, but can I just be honest with you, it's super vague. It's never really clear. In fact, a lot of times, can I tell you, first of all, it's never been audible. I would love that. Feel free anytime, God, you can just talk to me and I would, I'm good with that. But, but it, it never has been. Can I tell you most of the time how it, how it comes to me? It'll be like a single thought. It's just a thought. And I'm sitting there going, is that my thought or was that you, God? You ever felt like that? Is that me or is that you? Is that my idea or is that your idea? It'll be a thought. It'll be an impression. I don't know why, but I just feel like I'm supposed to. You ever said things like that? I don't know why, but I just feel like I'm supposed to say that. I don't know why, but I feel like I'm just supposed. It'll be an impression. It'll be this. It might even just be a spark. You know what my prayer is through this series? You know what my prayer is? Hopefully, as you get this book and that you read it, my prayer is that the Spirit of God will spark something inside of your soul. 
Because I believe that God has something he has destined you for, he created you for. You're so different than I am. You're uniquely made. And that God has a purpose for your life. And my prayer is, and I'm believing that God is even right now by his spirit, he is sparking something inside of you. For those of you that maybe have felt some kind of spark inside of you and you don't know if it's God or not. I get that, I get that. Some of you don't know why, but you're so bothered by injustice in this world. And other people don't seem to be as bothered by it, but you are. A certain type of injustice, it could be that that spark is actually God. It's just so vague, I don't know half the time. It could be some of you that you have this like, every time you hear about people getting trafficked, it bothers you so much that you're like, I will give money to an organization. I will go serve and, and you're just so bothered by it. Some of you are bothered by people around the world that don't get access to education or basic needs. And so when you hear about a trip going overseas or somewhere around the world, you're like, sign me up. I wanna go because there's a passion. There's something inside of you. There's a spark inside of your soul. And what you don't realize is that might be God speaking to you. Because it's so vague. It's so vague. I was talking to um, a lady in our church about two weeks ago. It was after, after the experience. And, and she was telling me about a moment that she had where she saw this guy who was on the side of the road and homeless and she started tearing up. And she said, I drove right back by, but I felt like God spoke to me and said, go give him some money. And so she turned around and she went back and she gave him money. And she said, God loves you and, and I hope this will be a blessing to you. And then she really started tearing up. And she said, every time I see people that are on that and they don't, I just want to take them all with me. And I want to take them home. And I want to feed them. And I want to take care of them. And, I want, and, you, and she's crying. And she's telling this. And I looked at her and I said, you know, um, God maybe has put that inside of you. That's not by accident. What you ought to do is go connect with our outreach pastor and find out opportunities where you can go and actually serve and do that. And if we run into some people that have great need like that, we'll get them connected to you so that you can serve them because God, I'm telling you, that's God. He's put that inside of you. But see, a lot of times, a lot of times we don't know because it's vague. Do you know when, when God called me into full-time ministry, I knew he called me. Like sometimes you can just know, I knew it. But do you know what God didn't do? He didn't tell me how to get there. He didn't tell me what it looked like. He didn't even, like, I didn't have God telling me, I'm calling you into ministry, and I'm calling you to plant a church. He didn't, like, I didn't have this moment where he's speaking to me, and I'm just in, this, in the presence of God, and he's speaking to me. It's like, be a pastor, and, and I got this picture of a big X, and I'm like, okay, God, I guess that's what you're calling me to go. That didn't happen. It was vague. All I knew was he called me. So I just started serving the church. I started serving any way I could. And then one time, my wife's parents, so this is some of the story of the church. You gotta read all the details in the book, but my, my wife's parents said to us, they said, we feel like um, God's prompting us to start a church. Would you like to start one with us? Guess what I felt? A spark. I don't know why, but I just felt the spark. I was like, oh, okay, okay. I, 
I just, maybe that's it. Maybe that's, I need to go and do that because I just, again, what I'm telling you is sometimes it'll just feel like a spark. It'll feel like an impression. It'll feel like, well, I don't know if it's God, but, but okay, why not? I mean, I don't think God would be against us starting a church. And so we started putting that in motion. And then one day they came to us and, and, and my father-in-law said to, he said to me, he said, um, I, we think you're supposed to be the pastor. I was like, by the way, this is what's weird is there was a spark inside of me. I was like, I think I am too. I don't know why. I'm the young one. I don't have any experience. I don't know what I'm doing, but I felt the spark. And so guess what we did? We just kept moving and taking a step. And then I thought, maybe I need to go to school. Maybe I need to do, I don't know. And then one day we're, we're just, my wife's driving down the road and she looks up in the sky and she sees a sign. See, most of us are waiting for a sign. I just need God to confirm it. My wife was driving and she looked up in the sky and she saw a sign. It was a billboard advertising for a college at Ohio Christian University, an adult degree program. And, and we just determined that God wanted us to go do that. I felt a spark. What I'm trying to say is that here's, here's what. God will speak to you, but it's often so vague. And you're, some of you have not moved because you're waiting for God to give you the outline. I need all the steps. I need to know how we're going to do this. How am I going to get there? How am I going to be able to fund this? How am I going to be able to do this? How am I going to be able to get another job? How are we going to be able to repay this? How am I going to? And you're waiting for all the details. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't give details? See, I think God doesn't give details because he doesn't want you running off trying to chase some purpose. He wants you to walk with him. And God cares far more about you walking with him than he does you working for him. And so God doesn't always give us that. In fact, God most of the time doesn't give us the details. And so here's what you got to do. When you think that I hear God, I don't know if I heard God. Here's what you got to do. Test it. Test the word. That's what you got to do. You gotta test it. Is this from God? I'm gonna line up with scripture. Does this line up with scripture? Does it line up with his ways? Does it line up with this? I'm gonna ask others. You gotta test it. Did you know that you can test the word? In fact, 1 John 4 tells us we have to test every spirit. You gotta test it. You know what I like? Peter in this moment, he tests it. I love Peter. I love Peter. That's why I wrote about him, because I love the way he tested the voice. Let me read verse 28 again. This is how he tested the voice. He said this. Lord, look what he said. If it's you, see, Peter didn't know. Lord, if, I'm not sure if it's you. I, I, I don't know if it was the, the food I ate last night. I don't know if it's the water smacking me in the face. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, if that were me, I would have found a million other ways to verify who the voice was. I would have asked Jesus some of those annoying security questions their online bank asks you every time you try to log in. I would have been like, okay, question. What was the name of the town where you did the miracle when you turned the water into wine? <laughs> What's your birthday? I remember we celebrated on that day. What's last four of your social security? Give me that, Jesus. But no, 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 not Peter. I love Peter so much. The way he verifies that it's God speaking to him is by saying, tell me to come out there. I love that. The way Peter tests the voice is by wanting to take a step of faith himself. 
wanting to experience a miracle. See, listen, Peter knows that Jesus can do miracles. He just fed the thousands with five loaves and two fish. You can't do that. He has seen Jesus heal people. He knows Jesus can do the impossible. What Peter wanted to know is can he do the impossible too? And I think so many of us, can I just say this, and I'm not trying to be offensive, but I think so many of us have gotten so settled in life as a Christ follower that we don't expect God to do miracles. We're not asking God. We're not stepping out of the boat. We're actually living really safe lives where I don't have to worry about putting myself in the place where I need God to do a miracle. But if you want to see God do the impossible in your life, listen to me, you have to be the kind of person who will get out of the boat. I'm just, what God has done in my life and in our story and our journey is nothing short of miraculous. And I really believe that God wants us to experience the supernatural in this life. But you'll never experiencing it, never experience it hiding in the hull of the boat. You, you have to get out of the boat. I'm using it like a metaphor, this story. You gotta leave safety and step out onto the water where you might sink. And Jesus gives one simple response. What did he say? Come. Come. He doesn't give instructions. Hey, let me, let me help you walk on water. Let me just, you gotta balance your weight first before you get to. No, he just says come. Some of you, here's my prayer. Is it even now and through this series that you have felt an impression it's the voice of Jesus saying, come. I'm calling you to a new level. I'm calling you into something greater. I'm calling you to something more. And the question is, will you remain in safety or will you take a step? See, so, so many times we're like trying to figure out what God's called us to do. You don't have to figure that out. All you have to do is take one small step. All you have to do is, I don't know, I feel like I'm supposed to join a small group. Join a small group. You might be surprised where that takes you. I don't know what my purpose is. Okay, sign up to serve. We'll help you find it. See, for me, it was one little step after another that began to lead me in the direction of Jesus, and it led me where he wanted to take me. It's a small step. And so my prayer is that you are being inspired by the Spirit of God and the voice of God speaking to you to say, step, come on, come on. But the reason why I wanted to preach this passage to you today is because I need you to hear this. This is really important. The moment you decide to take a step toward Jesus, and listen, expect the wind. Expect it. See, there's some safety of wind in the boat. But the moment you step out of the boat, listen to me, you better expect some resistance. Peter felt the full force of the wind and the waves. No wonder he got distracted. He felt the full force of the wind and the waves the moment he took a step of faith toward Jesus. And listen to me, you will too. I need you to hear that now, lest you take a step and it gets hard. And you determine, God must not have called me to this. You know what we discovered in trying to build this property? The devil didn't care when we bought the dirt. He cared when we started to build on it. 
See, the devil doesn't care when you own property. The devil, a lot of people think the devil's in everything. No, he's not. He's limited. The devil doesn't mess with people who stay in the boat. The devil messes with people who actually take a step of action into their destiny. And so the devil didn't mess with us as long as we had the land. But he messed with us the moment we put plans in place to begin to build. The moment we asked people to give by faith for this building, the moment that happened, that's when we felt the wind. That's when we felt the resistance. I, I talk about the story, and I don't have time to get into it, and I shared a little bit. But at the end of 2016, man, we started moving dirt. We had bulldozers on this side. We're out there, and they're trudging the dirt, and we began to move. And then all of a sudden, the wind. Man, we felt the resistance. We felt the resistance from all sides, all fronts. The city calling us, telling us, you need to stop. And for 18 months, the whole project just stopped. We felt, we felt struggles from outside. We felt struggles from inside. We faced spiritual battles. We were dealing with civil engineering battles. Can I just tell you, I have never in my life, over a period of 18 months, said a four-letter F word that many times. FEMA. I'm talking about FEMA. What were you thinking about? What were you thinking about? I must have said FEMA 300 times. And see, the reason why, the reason why I'm saying this is, is because as soon as the resistance came, there was something inside of me. The fear will rise up and begin to speak to you and say, you see, God didn't call you to do this. See, you're, you're, you're facing all of this because you missed God. But do you know what I found out? It's walking toward Jesus that will cause the wind. The devil won't mess with you when you stay put. We talked about indecision. The devil won't mess with you when you stay put. But the moment you take, so some of you are going to take a step. I'm believing it. I'm believing it. Some of you are going to take a step of faith. And sometimes we have to maybe even look to the Apostle Paul to understand that you can experience all that God has for you and the resistance of our adversary at the same time. See, Paul said these words in 1 Corinthians 16. He said, perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now, or he said, for I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit, but I hope to spend some time with you. He said this, if the Lord permits. I love this because what's Paul doing? He's like, I'm trying to navigate and figure out, am I following him? Am I, 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 wanna, I wanna do this if God lets me. This is what it's like trying to follow the voice of God. It's hard. But in verse eight, he said, but I will stay on in Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has what? Everybody say that word, has. A door has what? Say it out loud, like you mean it. It's open. He said, a door of effective work is open to me and, and there are many who do what? So wait a minute, you're telling me that it seems like God opened a door for me to walk through and there's something happening and there's effectiveness happening in the ministry, but there's also people who oppose me? See, I think some of us got mixed up with this open door theology that we have where we think that if a door opens to me, then it must be God. And so I walk through and on the other side is smooth sailing. The reality is 
the doors God wants you to walk through, you're going to face some incredible resistance. I need some of you to know that because you're going to make a step toward Jesus. Some of you are going to place your faith in Jesus. And the moment you do that and you feel forgiven and washed by his grace and you feel like a new person and you are a new person, but on Monday you're going to go to work and the same temptations and the same things are going to come flooding in. And your enemy, the spiritual enemy of God, the Satan, is going to speak in your ear and say, see, you still have the same temptations. See, you still deal with the same things. And you're going to be tempted to think it didn't really happen. But what you need to know, you need to know is this. You have to expect resistance when you take a step. Please hear this today. Expect resistance when you take a step. A step in which direction? It actually doesn't matter. The only place you don't feel resistance is when you stay put idle and do nothing. See, you take a step toward God and your enemy will bring resistance because he doesn't want you to step into your purpose. You take a step away from God, God will bring the resistance, ask Jonah. He'll bring the storm. The only place you don't feel the resistance is when you sit still and neutral and do nothing. The safe place that so many of us want to be. I just think safe is overrated. I think God's called you to more than that. It takes faith. But let me tell you this. You're going to feel the opposition. You're going to feel it. Can I just tell you something? We feel it every time we step out in faith. Our family feels it every time we step out in faith. I write about this a little bit in the book, but when we went to go launch the church, my wife dealt with it in her physical body. That's when we found out we have Crohn's disease. When we went to buy the Lithopolis building, guess what? It flared back up again. My wife told me, she was like, how come every time we step out in faith, I'm the one that gets there? <laughs> we tried to build this. It wasn't my wife. It was our church. It was me that time. You know, this past week, um, we were suffering for the Lord on an island in the Caribbean. It was actually a pastor's retreat, believe it or not. And, and um, we were just sitting there on the, la on the last day, full day we were there at lunch and my wife started to have a physical attack all of a sudden numbness over her body her left arm her left side her heart jumped to 150 which is really high for her she was i mean she was really having like some kind of episode and she had dealt with all kinds of effects from covid all last year she'd been one of those long term COVID people, but it had been getting better. We don't know if that's what it was, but she, she started getting that. And so in that moment, we were some friends and we started praying for her and then her heart rate started to come down a little bit. But she felt, she felt really sick and she still is dealing with it. And we went back to the room she laid down and she, she just said, can you pray for me? And so I prayed for her. And, and then a little bit later, I said, how are you feeling? She said, I'm, I still feel terrible. Can you pray for me? And she said, every time you pray for me, it feels better. And so I prayed for her again and again. I had, to, I had to message my parents. I was like, can you guys FaceTime? I need someone to take over. I can't keep praying for her this much. I just need somebody else to step in. And I, and I thought about it later and I thought, you know, I, you know, we have a whole lot of things that manifest in us physically. But I found it interesting that every time that we prayed, she felt relief. But the other times she felt, she felt the misery of it. And then she said, 
This was, this was her insight. She said, she said, you know, this week your book's coming out. We've got an album recording. All these things that we're trying to do to take the message, what God's doing in this place further. She was like, I feel like this is another spiritual attack. I feel like, I'm, I feel like this is it again. I'm just dealing with the headwind. I need you to know that when you step out in faith, you're gonna face some headwind. But just to know this, Jesus is with you. He never leaves you. He came to them walking on the water. He got into the boat. He calmed the wind and the waves. You're gonna get through this, but it's gonna develop. So stand up on your feet. I'm done, I'm done. Stand up on your feet though. Cause I gotta stop preaching. I can't preach the whole book. You're gonna have to get it to hear the rest, but. But God's developing. I think God maybe wants to develop something in you maybe by testing your faith. And I don't know how many of you here today feel like you're in a struggle, an emotional struggle, battling with anxiety, depression, a physical, a financial, a marital, a spiritual battle and struggle. But here's what I know. God is with us in the storm. He's with us anyway. He's developing something deeper inside of you because he has something greater for you on the other side. And so I want, I want to pray in this moment. Would you just bow your heads and can we just have this a moment with God? Let's make this a, a moment with God. Father, I pray right now for those specifically dealing with a storm, those facing some headwind, some opposition. I pray, God, maybe there's some here right now that have been walking away from you and there is a headwind coming against them that God, you are supernaturally resisting them walking away because you love them so much to get them to turn around. But I also believe God that as many in our church take a step of faith into what you've called them, the spark, the impression, the voice, as they move toward it, God, I know that we're gonna face attacks of the enemy. I know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and the rulers of this dark world. I know, God, that we are in a battle. We're in a fight. God, I know it. I, I just, I believe maybe there are some right now, God, that are in a struggle for their faith. If you're here, and maybe this is speaking to you because your faith, it feels like it's been drowning. You feel like my daughter, like she said, I feel like my faith has been drowning. I've been in a battle, I've been in a struggle, I've got doubts, i got worries, fear that has overtaken my life. I wanna pray for you today because I believe that God wants to do a powerful working miracle in your soul today. I believe that God wants to do CPR. If that's you, will you lift your hand? Come on, just boldly lift your hand. I'm gonna pray for those who by faith today, there's hands going up everywhere saying, that's me. My faith has been drowning, it's been drowning. Today, God is gonna do CPR in your faith. I believe it, I'm declaring it right now by faith. The same God that did miracle for Peter back then is right now in this room. And so God, I pray for every person that is in this space. I pray for every person, God, who's in a battle, who's in a fight, who's in a struggle, whose faith is weak and weary. God, I pray right now you would restore, restore their faith in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for healings to come. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. 
If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We want to connect with you and we want to be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.